This episode of The Great Equalizer is sponsored in part by Supreme Fertility, a unique approach for couples trying to conceive that combines root cause DNA testing with pharmacologically approved lifestyle guidance and a tailor-made supplementation program. If you or your partner are struggling with PCOS, recurrent miscarriages, poor egg or sperm quality, or if you're simply planning on starting a family and want to ensure that you put your healthiest foot forward, visit supremefertility.co.za or email info at supremefertility.co.za to find out more. This is The Great Equalizer, a parenting podcast about the realities of being a mom or dad in modern Josie. We are your hosts, Sam and Charlene, and we believe we're all rocking the same kind of crazy. So let's get real, let's get honest, and let's have a laugh about the ups and downs of our current upside down. Hashtag no judges. This week on The Great Equalizer, we delve a little deeper into mom-owned businesses and changing gears in terms of your career. Here to shed some light on navigating the sudden career change, radio darling Sureshni Ryder is in the house. Plus, we hear from Boss Babes of South Africa CEO Coveney Moodley. Stay tuned. Hello. Hello. Oh, Frotzel. <laughs> yeah, near. Right back at you. Frotzik. <laughs> Full of snot and coughs. <laughs> Guys, we're not going to make it. We are not going to make it. We're both <laughs> sick. We've been man down, woman down this week. But you know what woman down means, Charlene? You would know mm. because you've been, been through this. Woman down means not woman down because there, no. we can never be woman down. <laughs> <laughs> no, your kids don't care that you feel gaga or that you um, are having coughing fits all hours of the night. You still have to get up five times for them because they're also sick and also coughing. The amount of times I've, I've, I've almost choked to death holding in a cough because I don't want to wake up You don't want to wake your baby. <laughs> <laughs> but, and the irony is that we both sick, but we didn't make each other sick because we haven't seen each other. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. that's actually funny. Well, I'm glad because I would have felt really, really bad about myself if I had made you sick and you've got a baby in the house. Wow, so I mean, I'm glad someone versa. else's germs got you. <laughs> yeah, see, it's not like a, it's really not like a, but you know what's funny? So my, mm. my GP keeps asking me, every time I go see her, I went and saw her for an, an ulcer that I created for myself. I don't know whether I've spoken about my ulcer. You didn't. I don't think you mentioned it, actually. <laughs> you, you mentioned to me, but I don't think our listeners know. Listener stands to reason that uh, after all the months of work and coffee and coffee and coffee and a and little stress bit of, and lack of sleep <laughs> and anxiety, <laughs> I am treating an ulcer. So I've, I've had the bonus um, of seeing my GP twice in one month. The most recent, uh, and both times she's asked me if I want a sick note for work. <laughs> and I keep telling her, Doc, my boss is an absolute cow and she'll eat that sick note for breakfast. So don't even bother. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, look, listen, I am working for yourself. uh, Sounds fun and all, but neither Rhett nor myself, we can never properly take leave. Even if we've just been away, you're still working on holiday because, I mean, your time isn't really your own. You got to work. You 
your business doesn't close down, your customers don't go and leave when you go and leave. Now, Ray and I are in that very fortunate position as well. And it is sometimes fortunate, but sometimes not because no work, no pay, right? Mm, and yeah. it's, it's really had me wondering of late, you know, kind of thinking, should I take it? I mean, should I relieve stress in the household? Will it relieve stress in the household if I take on a full-time job again? And I've been thinking about why I changed career gears initially after having Elijah, why I went freelance again, because I used to freelance, then I was in full-time employee for six years, and now I'm back to freelancing. And if I'm honest, full-time employment is looking particularly appealing right now. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, having been there, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, it it might alleviate stress in the category of finances, of having a steady, having that in-contact beep Mm. at the end of the month on your phone religiously. But in today's economic climate, you know, okay, firstly, companies aren't really appointing uh, or or making appointments um, that much anymore. In fact, a lot of companies are downscaling, merging positions so that their overheads aren't so high. People Mm -hmm. are losing their jobs left, right, and center. And I genuinely think that a nine-to-five job, it's its a bit of a false sense of security because you're you are not indispensable. If, if times get hard and companies are under pressure, you can still get retrenched. You can still lose your job and then bye-bye, there goes that little beep at the end of the month of the salary. That's the one thing. The other thing is it's definitely going to bring you other stress. Now you'll be under more pressure to have to be at a job at a certain time to clock in. So you're going to have to get through that morning routine, get the kids sorted. Plus also if they're sick or they have to stay out, who's going to stay with them? Mm. You're going to have to take time off work. That brings additional stress. So, I mean, I'm not, I know I'm sounding like I'm saying, no, don't work full time, but having been there, it didn't work for me while my children are so small, it won't work for me now. So yes, it comes with its sacrifices, but I think the the flexibility of my own schedule and having the ability to decide on my own time, if I fall behind with stuff, I make time to pick it up later. I don't have to go to my boss and explain, I'm sorry, I didn't get to that report or I didn't get to do this because there was this and this that was more pressing. I know I'll get to it and I just make time to do it. It's so tricky being a woman or should I say the primary caregiver in this instance with small children because I would imagine having a full-time job with older children does make it easier. Um, That said, there are, I think there are, you can make a list of pros and you can make a list of cons for either side being a, you know, full-time working mom or who, who works for an employer versus working for yourself you know, each has its pros and cons. Um, and I'd find that, yeah, like I say, with, with women who have small children, a lot of women are starting to migrate to work for themselves or to open their own businesses or to seek some kind of alternative. And it brings with, that career change brings with it a whole other set of anxieties. And I figured that that's what we should be talking about today. 
Please remember, what we say on this podcast can only be considered the gospel on planets Sam and Charlene, respectively. Our kids and husbands can be assholes and angels at the same time. And only we're allowed to say so. And lastly, by virtue of the fact that we are women and it comes naturally to us, we reserve the right to change our minds and or contradict ourselves whenever we so choose. And we don't want to hear a damn thing about it. Hashtag no judges. And I stumble to the kitchen Pour myself a cup of ambition And yawn and stretch and try to come to life Working nine to five I'm not the best singer, but I'm really not the best I'll, singer when I'm thick. Uh, thick. Oh, no, Dolly, <laughs> always welcome. She is always Working welcome. nine to five <laughs> <laughs> You know... My uh, one of my best friends sent me that song, and I, it was my <laughs> when I started working uh, for full time employment for the first time. She sent <laughs> me that song, and it was my anthem, and I probably also my ringtone at the time because we did that back in the like yeah two thousands. That's how you knew what was trending. <laughs> <laughs> if it was if it was your ringtone, then. then. <laughs> So, you know what I also think? You know how we reworded Mama? Uh, yes. Mama, I love you. Know? I love Yeah. We should re- reword 9 to 5 because as a mother, when when do we, we work? We're working 9 to 9, <laughs> working yeah, 12 to 12, stop? Working, yeah. <laughs> working all the time. What a way <laughs> to not make a living. Exactly. <laughs> Heaven. So on that note, kudos to stay-at-home mom- moms, stay-at-home mamas. You're the real MVPs, ladies, because sure, 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 sure. It's not easy. Yeah, it's a lot. It is a lot of work. Good heavens. And you don't My mother pay for I think, it. I think I've said this before. My mother-in-law always said that, Charlene, once your kids are here, let me tell you, you think now that you just want to be at home with your babies, it's going to be hard to leave them. But it is easier to go to work. Mm. You have some adult conversation. You get a break away from them. And when you come home, you're happy to see them and you don't resent them. <laughs> that unpaid labor. Mother, and you know, I have got to, I've got to bring this up. Recently, LinkedIn added stay-at-home mom to their list of careers because how many women do you know who in the formative years stay at home, choose to stay at home for the flexibility mm. that we've just spoken about or because they want to, and then, then there's you a gap go- in your CV. When you do go back into the into the corporate world, then like, well, what were you doing for five years? Mm. Um. <laughs> Thanks, LinkedIn. What a service to women. Yes. I'm sure there's a space for stay-at-home dads there as well, but thank you. I mean, flip. So year no. 2021 it took everybody long enough to see that as labor. Um, exactly. That said, okay, I this episode we want to acknowledge – the major shift that's happened post-COVID with regard to mom-owned businesses. On one hand, we've seen a lot of mom-owned businesses closing down, ones we've already known. Um, And when we talk about mom-owned businesses, because we have had a show on working moms before, and we did mention in that show that it stands to reason when you become a mother, your mind is centered on being a mother and your needs and the needs of a mother are many and there's so many businesses that crop up because 
you identify, oh, there's a gap. There's why gaps in the why market. Why isn't there this? Yes. This no, pod- I need this. Why isn't there this? Let me make it or start it or create it. This podcast is just such an example. There was nothing like TGE when we started and that's why we started it. Not locally, at least. Not locally, at least. You're right. <laughs> so uh, that said, yeah, these businesses do cr- crop up and it's ramped up since COVID because I would imagine for a variety of reasons. And at the same time, we've seen a lot of mom-owned businesses sadly closing. You know, COVID has obviously wreaked havoc on the economy. We're not going to get into that. I'd love to go into, and, and I'm busy researching, should I say, the economic impact of COVID on mothers in particular, on families, but mothers in particular. I would say people are being laid off um, mm. because mothers or primary caregivers had to juggle homeschooling and it just became near impossible for parents um, to do that juggle. So many mothers stepped down or, or whoever was earning less, I would imagine. Each family is different. So we can think of a variety of examples of why um, while so many mom-owned businesses were shutting down in the last year, a lot more were cropping up. I also think that a lot of families, I don't know, I don't know if you would agree with this. Some families saw or mothers saw the value in the slow life. So we did see, remember when, back in lockdown when we could finally order Uber Eats again? Yes. <laughs> and it took ages for Ray and I to finally get hold of Rocker Mamas to place our order. But that was the first one we went to. We just want a burger and chips that we didn't make ourselves. Yes. That said, we saw what it was like, right, to cut costs. So there are there are some schools of thoughts or families who have thought that, okay, maybe one parent can stay at home if they need to and we can uh, cut costs because we saw during lockdown that, that we're able to do it. But I would say for the most part, the career change that we're focusing now on women and mothers in particular, the career change that we've seen is as a result of layoffs that are happening because of the economic impact of COVID and as a result of mothers needing to juggle and opting to serve their families um, with flexibility. Because in my case, uh, it was such that my employer, when I became a mother, wasn't flexible. I had to put in um, leave when I needed to take Elijah for his immunization. I had to, um, you know, if you take sick leave, you, you can't just say, I'm not feeling well, I'm going to work from home. For my previous employer, I had to go to the doctor, even if I had a, a slight cold or something that I didn't really need to see my doctor for or a tummy bag that I just needed to take some rehydrate for, I had to go and get a sick note. Otherwise, it would not be considered, would be considered, taken, it would not be considered sick leave. It would be considered it would normal leave. It would be taken off your normal leave, yes, yeah. Look, I think also that uh, a lot of people, I don't know, I'm just spitballing here, but I'm imagining since a lot of people have been forced into a position of having to work from home, I think a lot of businesses have realized that you can, you don't have to micromanage people so much because people are responsible adults and the work can still get done whether they're at the office or not. Secondly, I think a lot of moms have realized that I can actually work from home. So if you have an idea, well, that's certainly how my mind would work. If you have an idea for something that you've identified as a gap in the market and you have a particular skill set that you think you could use 
to get this off the ground, you know that you are responsible enough or you are enough of a self-starter already to work from home, get up, be disciplined, put on your computer, start making your calls, do what you need to do because you have done that during lockdown. I think they've realized that um, a lot of people might, what they might have been scared of before, you have to be really disciplined to work from home to get up at a certain time and start your work day. But you do that during lockdown because you're forced to, because you're at a paying job. If you can do that for an employer and you have an idea that you want to get something for yourself off the ground, you now know that you can, you, you can do it in terms of discipline at least. You can work from home. Mm. So if, you, if you're brave enough or if you've been laid off, then you may as well use that time to get your own thing off the ground. So talking about that inspiration that you need, I want to share with our listeners two podcasts um, because this is not something that we focus on all the time. We focus on a lot of things to do with motherhood and lifestyle and being a woman, but working moms and, and careers is not some, is something we're focusing on in this episode. The Boss Mom Show by Anna Greenfield is a podcast that uh, was set up last year. And we yeah, were during, recent, lockdown. during mm. lockdown and we were recent guests on on the show. So keep an eye out for that. We're gonna put links up to the Boss Mom show in our show notes. And um, Anna Greenfield, your host in in the Boss Mom show, interviews women or people who have started their own businesses and she works to serve mothers who want to make a change and um, become entrepreneurs. So that is a very useful local resource. And I'm sure I've spoken about Second Life podcast on this show by Hilary Kerr. Mm. I'm going to just check out the show notes, guys. Once you finish listening to this, if you are inspired to start your own business or you need some help or some inspiration and guidance, uh, please go check out these podcasts because I think they're doing amazing things for women who are embarking on a new season in their life in terms of their career. Look, um, I would be lying <laughs> as someone who has embarked on a second season in terms of my career, I'd be lying if I didn't, if I said I didn't need a bucket load of inspiration almost weekly. No, <laughs> no, no. Daily. Daily, more <laughs> Daily. of late, yes. <laughs> Which is why, Charlene, um, I decided to put us in touch with a well-known mom in our circles who faced a massive career change recently and still manages to keep a shiny disposition, a very shiny disposition. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm always down for a little career inspo, so let's hear all about it. Our guest today is a household name for many South African families and someone whose positive vibes and affirming energy have been gracing our airwaves for close on Two decades now. Although, to look at her, you wouldn't say it. No. Sureshni Ryder is a radio personality, an MC, a content creator, a voiceover artist, and quite obviously, the darling of South African entertainment. She is also a mom, and a mom who faced quite a sudden career change in recent months, which is something we want to pick her brain about. Here to chat about all things life, love, career, and motherhood, Sureshni Ryder is in the house. Sushi, welcome yeah. to the Great Equalizer. Oh, 
Hi guys, I'm fangirling <laughs> on the two of you. I love listening to you. What you have is absolute magic. Uh, and I, I, I really wanted to be in your kitchen, to be honest. I wanted to be sitting exactly how you placed it in the picture. Oh my God. I feel that I could, I have food, girls. What a compliment. Just come on over. <laughs> yeah. Just come on yeah. over. We'll have a powwow. <laughs> that is such a compliment. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for that beautiful bio and that intro. Thank you. Um, that That's so special. I'm very humbled. Always. I'm always humbled when people read out things like that because I think I forgot like, oh, 24 years. I did that, yes, crazy. yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So thank you. Thank you so oh, much. It's such a pleasure. And I think we do need to have that kitchen chat at some point. Mm. Damn <laughs> be COVID. Exactly. Can I just say? Because oh. I mean, this is only the second time in this past year that, that we've that been sh- together in yeah. the same room recording. Seriously. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. It's just, it's broken our hearts. I mean, we've been broadcasting for a whole year at home. So I get it. It's like to see the connection, to the feel same. the connection. It's, it's not the, the vibe same. in the yeah. room is, I mean, you, you, you feel yeah. off of each other's energy when you're in the same room. So it's quite, yeah. quite a challenge. <laughs> and a whole year later, when you do see each other, then it's like you do this like dance around like, oh, are we too close? Do we hug? Yes, and then exactly. It's a, it's a, a, connection, a connection has changed a little bit. So it's like starting a relationship all over, all over like, again. Okay, this it's, is, it's a little yeah. bit familiar, but a little bit new. Yeah. So <laughs> you girls are flirting at this stage, right? Exactly, this is where you're at. Exactly. <laughs> That's cool. Suj, a lot of people will know this, but for those who don't, we want to know more about you, uh, get to know oh, Sushi mm-hmm. as a parent. Who calls you mom? Uh, it's my crazy 10-year-old. <laughs> I actually cannot believe she is 10, but she's 10 going on 21. Uh, my daughter's name is Parvani Milan Ryder, and she was an absolute prayer realized. Uh, myself and my husband, Lee, we we always knew we wanted kids. I think it's, uh, I think I was broody, born broody, actually. Um, I come from a big family. He doesn't. He has just one sibling, his sister Diane, but I have three. Um, and I think... For me, mentally, I always picture this massive dining room table. And I said to him, we must have like four kids. And he was like, four. I'm like, my man, I'm trying to raise a Formula One team here. We need someone to be mechanic. We need somebody to drive. <laughs> um, but yeah, so unfortunately for us, I wouldn't say unfortunately for us. So we got married and I was 30 and I tried like doing what everybody else does. And for two years, nothing happens. And he was like, let this be. This is timing and the universe will let us know if we're actually meant to be parents. Um, and the moment that I just put it on the back burner and we got our beautiful dog, Miss Money Penny. And when she arrived that December, she was just poverty, like was conceived. And um, that's who calls me mom. It's the greatest sound in the whole world. If I could ever bottle that sound and keep forever mommy and mom and uh, except if, yeah except if it's mom 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 mom, oh, mom, no. mom. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and it's the conversations that as soon as I get into the bathroom I swear it's like a trigger thing for kids that is the moment they need to show me artwork she needs to show me her picture <laughs> mom what do you think of this mom what do you think I should do? ah yeah but she's she's the person that uh, rules our hearts absolutely is the most she's the center of Lee in our lives she's oh. the greatest blessing and She's just the perfect blend of who we are as people. And I'm forever thankful and grateful. That was the biggest prayer ever realized. And that's who gets to call me mom. It's nice to see these feelings 10 years down the line. Mm, Yeah. It it, it certainly (laughs) gives us hope because we're in a bit of a a what the fuck did we do kind of stage. I know. Listen, I... 
I'm at the stage where she's turning 10. And then everyone is like saying to me, right, prepare for the, the teenage years yes. and it's going to get crazy. So I can see her little emotions are turning a little bit. And uh, it's not, and also the jealousy about she's obsessed with her father. I'm not going to lie. And I'll, I get told, and this is since she was a, a young, a little, a little toddler. You, mommy, you're the third wheel. It's Dado and I. And oh, wow. everything was Dado. Yes. So even now, if I, Lee and I, if we even kiss in the kitchen, because I'm like, come here quickly, let me give you a kiss. I, something triggers off in her little brain and I swear it's some like a little beep, beep, beep kissing happening. Did. I saw yes. what you did. And then she runs over here <laughs> down the stairs. <laughs> what are you guys doing? And then she physically doesn't Separate like me you. hugging her dad. Even last night it was cold and I thought, oh, shame. And I was so thankful for uh, the little DIY project Lee did. And I was like, oh, let me go hang out with him on the couch. He's busy playing games. And I thought, oh, let me just like put my head on. I, I wanted that for myself. No, not going to happen. Because then she brought herself it separated the two of us and yeah so she's got this cute it's cute for now i think it's and cute, he's for now, yes. also, cute for now because he's also enjoying it until she's gonna come tell us that oh my god i like this guy or whatever um <laughs> that's a whole other stage now. that girl moms i don't think Dude, are ready for i don't think any parent is ready frankly for yeah but i don't know but also, like, maybe she should check the um, manual that we gave her when she got here. It's an operating system. You will only get married when you're at least 45. Exactly. So uh, it'll be fine. Yeah. She must go check the notes. Revert back <laughs> to manual. <laughs> yeah. So, Always, Sush, yeah. in today's episode, mm. we are chatting about all things career-driven, um, working Yay. moms kind of next level, and you – 18 years, my friend. What? 18 years in the industry. I mean, that is that is worth an applause if, if ever there Aww, was any. Thank you. You know, it's crazy. 18 years. That yeah. sounds like a whole school life. An also, adult, you just you just seem to be too young to have <gasps> that young Yeah, you're career. vibrant. You're Love like, you. You're, yes. Thank you. I think I'm a, an old soul with a young heart. <laughs> That's who I am. Well, so the, I mean, tell us about. Let's let's go through this through this career journey from the beginning because yeah. you did. You are in season two now. You're freshly in season two, but we want to build it up and we want to know more about season one. Did you always want to work mm. in radio? Was it always something that you dreamed of, or did it fall into your lap? What happened? Um, so if you look at the calculations, it's actually eighteen years with Five FM, and before that, it was. So I've worked in radio for 24 years. I've actually oh my worked heavens. in media. Yeah, yeah. So yes, I'm getting old. I know it's eight, but that's just a number. Exactly. So radio for me started at five. It, and, I, and I say this in all of the interviews and I think I always look back with fondness because I remember the moment of me um, physically dismantling my mom's gray hi-fi. It was a little little Sony and I probably got in so much trouble. But I, my mom always had the radio on uh, in the daytime and would I always listen to those afternoon serials. And I was fascinated. So as a kid, I would even repeat the adverts. I knew them back to front. And, I, and, and then I think I visualized people living inside this full box physical box. I remember undoing this thing and shaking it and being so curious about it. And I thought that, wow, how are we going to have supper and we're going to go to bed and, and are they okay? Um, and that's where I think of yeah. that, my little head, that's who I am. And that's where my fascination started. And as a kid, my, I was 
always questioning things. My goodness, I never stopped asking questions. And I think my parents were so, my mom would say, you should just go into broadcasting business. All you do is yep, 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 yep. I'd be reading a lot. I was an avid reader and they would say, are you going back to lock yourself in the cupboard? Because I would physically to like hide from my two brothers who were crazy. I would go into, we had a particular cupboard that kept the shoes and it had like shelves, but there was a corner spot that I would hide and I would read. And I was just fascinated about the world. And then I knew journalism was what I wanted to do because at the time growing up, like I said, um, I'm a 70s, a late 70s baby. I grew up in apartheid. I was very curious about politics at a very young age. And I always wanted to understand why is this like this? And I was watching news bulletins. My dad is very strict about reading the newspaper every single day and watching the news. So I would do exactly what he would do. I'd come from him, wait, wait for him to come from work, take his bag. And he'd open the paper, then I'd read the other. So he'd read and I'd read the other side and then we'd swap over. And that's where my relationship with writing and reading and understanding and watching the, the bulletins and listening. And I'd say to him, what does that word mean? And then I, he would scare to tell me about a lot of the things. And he says, no, that's not for your age. And I think for my own, I was like, no, I need to know. So that interest in journalism is what started. And when I got to ML Sultan Technicon, I got to understand that journalism wasn't just about writing, that you could tell your stories visually and you could tell your stories via radio. And I was like, ah, this is interesting. And then I did broad, one of the courses was broadcast journalism. And I thrived, like I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And in your third year, in order for you to get your degree, you have to do a compulsory internship. And I went to Durban Youth Radio, which is a campus-based radio station. It was then at UKZN um, at Howard College. And I got to join this radio station as a news writer because obviously I wanted to write for news. I ended up editing. And I was producing an afternoon current affairs show and it was a talk show. And for some reason, the manager said, hey, can you quickly stand in because this guy's sick? And like three weeks later or a month later, I'm like, Jacob, where is this dude? I've been doing <laughs> like coming like, back. Oh, yeah. yeah, and I was like, he's like, oh, I fired him, but you were doing so well. And that, and, and you know what it is? Is when someone just gives you the chance, just go. And it was campus radio. So you, I got behind this thing. I was like, oh, okay. I remember producing the show. Press this button up and then you're in, you're on. But what it was, the fascination then wasn't just about reading the news anymore. It was about talking. And I found I felt naturally like this felt normal, felt organic. And I think that I, it, it's something for me was like, this is what I, I think, this is me. And P4 Radio, which is now Gagazi FM at the time, currently, they heard me and go, listen, you're still a student, come we'll train you. We want you, you've got potential. We want to see you as a journalist. And I got to be a, a beat reporter and I got to be a student journalist, learning to write, learning to compile bulletins, read bulletins. I worked with the great Kalani Gwala, who unfortunately is late now. Mm. I was on a weekend I, as a student journalist, I would, he'd be so tired. So he'd be having a bit of a rest on the couch. I'd go, Kalani, go five minutes more. I've quickly compiled. Oh, I'd get him into the studio and then I would drive the sound bites. And so that, that interest was there. And then I think at a time, um, I was like, I, I need more. And Lotus FM was looking for somebody. And I didn't even listen to Lotus at the time. And I sent a demo that I did at Japanese Radio. They loved it. Um, and I got given a, a youth radio show, which is daytime. I was at Lotus FM for about five years. And you know, when you, when you walk into a studio or in a space where you're like, you're able to rattle things off without a script or you it, it became like second nature. Yeah. I knew, I remember, I remember the day so clearly. I walked in, no prep sheet, did the show. But there was magic that was missing. And I walked upstairs and I said, right, that, that's it. You've done it. And I went and applied to five Joburg-based radio stations. And, I, and understand this, I'm a Durban girl. 
I come from a very conservative Indian family where you don't even dare leave the house unless you're going because you're getting married. And I chose stations out of Durban because I, 5FM was always my dream. As a kid, as a 16-year-old, the top 40, which was the world chart show, I swept the lounge for four hours in the same spot because Ursula was on. <laughs> and my mother, I would drive my mother insane because I would never clean. I would only clean the lounge. I would just dust like, the whole I've time. got this just, lounge, guys. I've yes. got it. Don't and, worry. I've got it. <laughs> And this one specific carpet is so clean. <laughs> and and <laughs> so I knew like that was the dream. And Mark Gilman, I remember when I was oh in high my school, word. my yes. father was obsessed with Mark Gilman. And I was shocked because my dad is like super conservative. And Mark Gilman would say, wake up all you bastards. And I'd be like, <laughs> daddy, daddy knows what a swear word is. Like, oh my God. And my father was like, listen to this guy. Listen how energetic he's like you you people are crazy he's and like that was yeah and then my because that my dad my dad and my family knew I was mad about radio and they would always because I would go back and repeat all things DJs had said the jingles and I knew the entertainment authorities I never spoke about oh we're having mutton curry so it was, always, <laughs> it was, always voice, so it was voice over voice every day and then I would do this thing where my parents would talk but then I'd pretend I was doing commentary and my parents will speak in Tamil and I understand the language. So my siblings like, yo, are they gossiping? And then I do a complete wrong version just to freak my, my brothers out. But, I, but that kind of thing, I think. You were crazy like Mark Gilman, man. You completely crazy. And yeah. And then when I sent the demo, um, the, the five of him demo was the last one to physically hand in. And me and the postnet guy were doing this. I said to him, there's no way I can send this demo. And he was like, uh, I'm new here. I do not know how to undo the cash register thing. So you have to give it to me or else I'm going to get fired. And I was like, dude, what do you mean? He's like, no, 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 please, ma'am, please, ma'am, just give me the parcel. And shame, I thank him. It was a Windermere post office guy. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and those five demos were sent and five of them had called me literally in 24 hours. Uh, and while I was Lotus, at Lotus, I was also a media consultant. So I was doing lots of things media related. Jacob Zuma was one of our clients. We were his PR no people. Way. No so, way. Yes. He was minister of SMME, small micro medium mm. enterprises. Mm. And, um, and I think at that point, a couple of years later, he'd moved up to become in the presidency. And I was like, oh, dude, we took your photo. <laughs> we would have afternoon meetings with him and all of that. So in between my life, I'd immersed myself as much as I could in media because I, I'm one of those people that's very like, I can't be bored. I need to do a lot of things at the same time. Multi-skilling was the word that we learned in journalism. And I think it, I, it sunk into me like, that's what I want to do. I want to be busy. I want to be available. I want to make tea. I want to be able to write. I want to be able to do this and do this and enjoy it. I'm very, I'm a busybody. And yeah, when Five called me again, I didn't believe the manager. I thought someone was pranking me. I was like, dude, a white radio <laughs> rock station calling an Indian girl from Durban. And he was like, don't play with me. This is mean, actually. Yeah. And I was, <laughs> I was so scared. So I didn't tell my parents. So I lied to my parents and I said, um, the mirror public relations, the company I was working with, I said, no, they're sending me up to Joburg for one of these event conferences and they've paid for everything. So don't stress, but shame, you know, everything was organized by five, a whole car. So I phoned friends because I've never, ever been to Joburg. So I phoned a friend who had a cousin and this cousin arrived. Shame is like, they gave you a car. Do you know? I was like, I know how to drive this car, but f take me through the highway. And then I landed. Oh, because I you, I mean, the Gilulis. circle routes and the concrete highway, you're yes. like, yeah, oh, I don't know what this Gilulis is. interchange. <laughs> I think I started crying <laughs> before I even got there. <laughs> I was so, and he's like, 
He's like, calm down. And I think he remembers saying, okay, turn back. I'm leaving my car in Benoni and I will drive it. And he actually worked at the SABC. So he took me and it, it was like an older brother dropping me off for the first day with a lunch bag. And I went to Five. I did a little audition demo for them. I didn't realize, I didn't know what the plan was. And Nick Grubb at the time said to me, just sign this contract because you work already at the SABC. If we like you, it's going to push the process faster. Mm. He definitely didn't tell me that they definitely liked me because the next morning he was like, so Sureshni, thank you for coming up. What are you doing today? And I was like, this is such a weird random question, dude. Um, I'm home. And he's like, you should go to the beach. And I was like, okay. And he's like, because it'll be the last time you see it. Uh, you're going to come to Joburg next week. And I'm like, next Four. week. He's like, next week. So that was the quickest transition in my life. And I had a week to tell Indian parents, I'm leaving home without a husband, <laughs> without ever having a boyfriend. I'm going to work in a place they've never seen in their lives. No family, guys. I know we've got cousins all over the place, but our family did not reach Joburg at this particular point. <laughs> and I was more terrified of telling my mom and my dad than actually saying to them, I got a job. I was like, how am I going to do this? And my older brother had come back from the UK and he was like, we got this. We're going to book a restaurant. They can't hit you in a restaurant. <laughs> oh my word. So you proper yeah, like wine and dine them to oh, prep yeah. them for this yeah, announcement. Yeah. And, and I remember sitting at this restaurant and, and I could not find the like, hi, I'm going to go away next weekend. And eventually my brother was like, my God, you're useless. Mom, she got a job. Dad, this is where she's going. It's going to go to Five FM. And next week we are driving her up. She's got a car. She's all good. We found a place. And I was like, ah, she's going to kill me. And she was good. And they were, but my parents did not talk to me that entire week. They were so emotional. My, my dad, especially, Shame. we have a very, we've got a very strong relationship. And I think my mom was basically saying, I, I disappointed him uh, in a great way. He's like, she even said to me, if your dad gets a heart attack from stress, it's because of you. And I said to her, it's okay. Because I said, you are so scared yourself. And it's okay if you blame me for something, but you need to understand, I need to go. And my dad said to me, my 21st birthday theme was butterfly. And he said to me, um, you're like a butterfly. You were never meant to sit in one place. You're meant to fly and go experience things. So do that. And he was with me, Sureshni, just go do it. I will cry for many months because I'm very close, but also I'm scared, but you will be okay. My mom, my mom's way of masking her fear was just like to be like mean or like Almost retaliation. Me, like, yeah. That's like her yeah, self-preservation like, is to be tough. Correct. Like, this is yeah, not acceptable. Like, no. Yeah, you're not going to do this. You will see you in six months. And then 18 years later, I'm still there. <laughs> what <laughs> you know? a gift in parenting mm. your dad offered you in that. Because, I mean, it's difficult yeah. for me to feel apart from my four-year-old. He went on his first field trip yesterday, by the way. <gasps> and I was like, wait, what is, come on. No, oh, no, with no, us, there were no like parent chaperones. <gasps> yeah, <gasps> it was it was no. hard. It was hard to watch from oh. a distance. And I was like sitting by my phone all day. I'm like, where are the updates? I like I can't yeah. handle this. So where are the pictures? I want to hear voices. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I mean, your dad's mm. saying that like, I'm going to go through my shit. I'm going to yeah, be upset. Yeah. I'm going to be stressed. I might even have a heart attack. But you, yeah. my child, do what you need to do. What a yeah. lesson, what a gift. And another gift, though, that you've given me is that gut feel you mm. had at, Lo uh, at Lotus. What? I mean, um, yeah. who is so tuned in with themselves that they're like, mm. I've got this wax, this job is like in and out, and, yeah. you know, I'm, I've got it down to a T. I don't need to rehearse, but there's something missing. 
for you yeah. to know to be in your that heart. in tune with mm. yourself and and your to be so confident in yourself and your craft yeah. yeah that you don't second guess yourself at all you know yeah. what you know because you feel it i mean that's a good lesson it was a very eye-opening moment for me because I think I'd been through a lot of toxic nonsense at that particular place. I'd seen a lot of things I didn't want to see. I was around people that did not grow me in any way. I was feeling, I was just going through so much as a young woman. And I, I think, you know, when you, I always say that my gut isn't as, was never as strong, but at that point, I didn't realize that that was my gut speaking. That was the, the universe and, and God saying to me, I'm giving you a message here, girl. And you better start listening. And the day that it happened, it was, I, it was like a, I can actually, I can, I have that out of body experience. I remember it to the T. What I wore, how I picked my little bag up, and I walked up, and it was on the fifth floor. And there was a, we used to have a little like a presenter's room right at the corner with one massive old school computer, uh, with, and this old school, and I and I typed it. And remember, guys, back in the day, to send a demo, you'd have to put something on a CD. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't MP3s even at that point. And I knew in my mind what I was going to do for five. I didn't tell anybody, but I went and go- I don't even had Google. I don't know how I even did. I can't remember actually what they had, but I, ser- I searched, I found where I wanted to be. And also because I love radio, I knew my journalism skills were kicking in. Who was the programs manager? Who was this person who phoned randomly? Hi, uh, what is the name of your programs manager? What is your postal address? And I went and I went and bought five CDs um, at the little CNA at my, in my Montclair shopping center. I kept that to myself. I bought that. They always knew I was buying CDs for music anyway. I found a really good friend at Lotus and I said to him, this is what I want to do. I want to create an amazing demo. And I think it's also about finding the people that can trust and believe in you because at that point he could have said and told everybody, oh, I think she's going to leave. And he was such a good friend. He still is a really, really important friend in my life. And I always thank him because he helped me find the studio. We made the time. He gave me his time. I booked a studio and we did a demo. And I said to him, just take the clips. And it was almost like I divided my personality into a YFM. It was High Felt back then. Now it's 947. Um, I remember it was Metro FM, which I loved. I wanted to work at all these and five. And I remember creating different kinds of demos and saying, I'm going to cast this net, whatever is meant for me. Now, this is me coming from an Indian-based radio station, but I, was, I always felt like I didn't fit in. I went to a Model C school. And when I got to Lotus, the, the people always thought I was too coconut for Lotus. They're like, you like rock music. You like this, you like that. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But I also like, I also like Indian things. And I, it, it's in me. Um, and I said to them, the, well, what you're seeing here is someone who's understanding the reality. We go, our country's going through a transition. You're going to meet people now who are going to be mixed in different societies. You need to embrace these new young people that are coming. And that's why they gave me the youth show because young people, young Indian kids were making this move from Indian only schools mm, into white schools. Yeah. Yes. And our, our outlook changed so much. And I, and I said to even Lotus Ever Management, I said, you're probably going to get a lot of flack. I'm using words that they're not familiar with because I grew up in this environment, loving the Spice Girls, loving pop culture, like on a crazy level, not loving all the Indian things. I didn't know a lot of the Indian music that those kids were listening to. But I said to them, believe in me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you a side of me that you've never seen before. And you're going to just love my personality. And I really sold myself. So when that day came that I realized Something's the, the connection's gone. Mm. That was the strong. That was the moment where I, I grew up very quickly, and that and there was eight. There was eight now. It was the eighteen years before that. So and now eighteen years later, 
something similar has happened to me. And it's the next phase, like you call it a season two. I've always, now I'm in the next phase. And that same feeling came back. That same memories came back. I'm like, right, remember Sureshni then? Sureshni governed it then. And now Sureshni Rider, next phase. Yeah. And it was just... It is just, it's crazy. That feeling is absolutely crazy. And you're handling it with such grace, which we, we will get Thank into. You. But I want to look at your career mm. highlights. Those 18 years at five. Um, yes. <laughs> I mean, you hosted the 5FM Top 40, which was always a dream, as you've said. Yeah. yeah. And talking about uh, being multi-skilled, you produced on Three Talk with Nolene. Mm-hmm. That's right. Strictly Come Dancing, I, another big highlight. <laughs> You met yes. Taylor Swift. That's probably my biggest. That you is met Taylor like Swift. My biggest. Pinch. I'm like, oh. yeah. Oh. Did you keep it's it my together? Flex, girl. Did you keep it together? Because I would be a pathetic black. Like, yeah, I mean, she's tall, so I'd have been like, melt into a. I know. I love you. And then just start crying. I get so badly starstruck. It's ridiculous. Me too. I'm starstruck just talking to you now. So. Oh, thank you. I, I get so nervous around idols. Like I'll, I'll never forget Gilman was obviously the radio idol. And when I met him, I think I mumbled something and my knees physically knocked. And he looked at me and, and I thought, oh my goodness, now he thinks I'm stupid. It's like, he's probably like, <laughs> who is this girl? But he was so, and, and everyone said to me, Gilman, if you if you get into Gilman's like books or if he recognizes you, you're in, dude, but bruh, it's never going to happen. So don't, build, just go in there and realize that he's not even going to give you eye contact. Challenge accepted, and I got in, right? Or even know, and even know, he says, and then he said to me, he's never going to know your name. Don't ever look him in the eye. He doesn't talk to people. Like that's, that's who he is. It Because he's, and shame. I think that it was, either they were trying to scare the balls out of me. But but Gilman actually is a very misunderstood personality. He's actually very tall, firstly. He is, I'm sure, super shy. He's the same as me. It's just like, we live in our own little worlds and our minds are, mm. and then, you know, human being has come, oh, approaching, approaching. What do I do? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, I'm not behind a mic. Just don't come at, it's like when people phone yeah. you and say, I have a lot of personality over text, but what are you doing phoning me with no warning? You know, like yeah. some, some people are, I'm not like that, but some people are yeah. like that. Some people are like, don't phone me. Just I text bet there's me. so many yeah. radio personalities. Yes, that's me. We chatted to, me out when I see the phone ring. We, we chatted oh, to Julia like, oh. um, Anastasopoulos, who does Suzelle yes. DIY, and she's DIY. also the same. She's like, Put me in in character and I'm cool, but like I need yeah. preparation if I'm just just me, Julia. Yeah. So it's so so that's probably what Mark was like. That's me in a social setting. I am so socially awkward and I'm so terrified. I've got so much anxiety. But <gasps> what am I going to say? How do I introduce myself? What did you think of me? No, 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 no. And then, and then I stand I stand in the corner and I sip tea or water and I like pray, please God, please God, let something happen here. Uh, it must just go and I must quickly find my feet and the lights must go down and we must watch the movie. And when people come to me, I tend to physically walk backwards. It's the craziest thing. So when I met him, I was like, oh. and as he opened it, I didn't expect him to open the door. And he opened it, I'm like, oh. <laughs> and he was like, hi, Sureshni. And I was like, oh, hold on. Hold on. They, he knows my name. <laughs> He's like, how are you? Are you good? Welcome. Um, you know, I'm sure you're missing Durban and UK. And I think you could see my fear. Because, I mean, obviously, I've never seen this amount of white people in my life. In this <laughs> in, I went to a former white school. It was different then. And I went to a girls' school. Now I'm seeing all these people like, oh, my God, these are my idols. They're and you're in Joburg. I'm in Joburg. I'm in a big girls' room. Yeah, so seeing, <laughs> seeing someone like him was just crazy. So if there was ever a moment as a highlight, 
is meeting the people that were in the box, seeing Ursula and crying, seeing Zareda and going, oh my gosh, she is so beautiful. She is, I want to be her friend and, and seeing those people. And then over the years, meeting amazing South Africans. I, I'm not sure if you ever heard of the story about me and Johnny Clegg. Mm-mm. I'll never forget, um, man, Johnny Clegg, rest in peace. Johnny Clegg is my hero. My, my absolute hero. absolutely adores him. Oh. It's his best. And and Johnny's story for me, and I remember in the interviews that I did with him, I always brought it up and I always started crying when I told him the story. And he said to me, it made his heart stop. He's like, I could not believe that I had that effect on me. And I said, Johnny, I was about five or six years old. And um, it was the amphitheater in Durban. Was the They were calling the Expo Center. And I even remember the cover of that exhibition. It had a monorail. And it was going to be this massive expo. With, like, it's like basically Disneyland came to Durban. And at that point was also that time where we weren't sure if we were allowed at certain spots or not allowed in certain spots. So we knew my parents were like, okay, they said that everybody can buy a ticket, but maybe certain areas will not be for us. Anyway, we got into this massive grand, like this beautiful village green kind of like everything is set up in the amphitheater. And we were right at the top. My father took right at the back where we couldn't see a thing, but we were like, he felt we were safe Safe here. Mm -hmm. We were, it was a good spot. We were not with the other people that we could get into trouble. And that's the horrible thing to think about, mm-hmm. but that was what it was. And then Johnny Clegg and PJ Powers one stage and PJ Powers was doing her thing. And then she left and he come on. And I'm like, who's this man? And what is this music? And then he'd said, all the kids come down. I, I even remember the shirt I was wearing. I was wearing a white shirt that had this like cartoon type writing. And I remember these things. I don't know how and why. And I remember... I dropped whatever I was holding and I ran. I was so young. I ran and my father was like, they couldn't, they didn't see it coming. So I ran, but I ran from the top of the stairs down and I went on that stage and there's me dancing. There I was doing Jaluka moves, did the whole thing. And I just looked at him and I was like, and I said to Johnny, I said, Johnny, you make me unafraid of white people. And he said to me, what do you mean? I said, that day when you said, come and join us, it made me feel like you wanted all the children. You wanted all of us to be there. And you got us on stage and I was next to you and touched your hand, your guitar. And you were so nice. And you were so different to the fear that I experienced and seeing my parents being so fearful and what I saw in the news and what I saw in our area and whatever. And I never forget. Oh, it makes me emotional because it's true. It was just, it was a a life-changing moment as a kid. And it, People do not understand what so many of us went through from a mental point and realizing your value in this country and what, what it means. But even if an adult looks you in the eye and they recognize you, they say you are, you are, you are valid, you are real, you are enough. That was everything. And meeting this idol that I just loved. I loved his music. I loved how he spoke to this country and how he stirred emotions in his music. And I remember when I had the interview, I cried before I said to them, Johnny Clegg's coming to studio. And, and I didn't tell them the story. And so the management was like, yeah, 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 Johnny Clegg's coming. He's got a new new track and he loves the top 40. And I cried. And even in, in the studio, I think I got so sick before the interview because I was like, oh, my oh, God, oh, my God. And I sat down and it ended up being a pivotal moment in my life where I tell myself that your, your affirmations do come true. The things that you imagine as a child, mom, I, one day I'm going to be interviewing famous people. Mom, one day this man and I are going to be friends. Or one day I'm going to sit next to white people and I'm going to tell them how we're all going to love each other and how we're going to change this world and we don't need to worry about color anymore and things like that. And that for me was important. And when that moment arrived with Johnny and I said to him, you changed my life. 
I will, I will hold that interview, his memory, his everything the most. Now, I even said to him, I said, Johnny, how this, and then I think I said to him, here's the other thing. My child loves you. It feels you're a generational thing in my life. My child, full without, my child, without knowing who you were and the impact you had on my life, my child loves you. And that tells me who you are. My child sees through you. My child doesn't need to look at your, your color. She mm. sees your love. She sees your energy. And she sees the, the joy that you bring. And that energy is everything. Energy is very important for me. And he was just, if you ever asked me, my favorite moment was sitting with Johnny. And how, the pictures that I have, even when he came to the Roger Good show, I stood and I just, oh, I, I think it was the most awkward picture because I stared. I just stared. I took it all in. I was like, well, look at what you've done then, to my, to my show. I'm just sobbing. She can't stop here. Oh. And, and I, as you're talking, oh. there's only one thing that comes to mind and that's, what Johnny Clegg did for you, do you realize and acknowledge what you've done for women in our country, for uh-huh. women of color in our country, and for young girls looking to make their dreams a reality? Um. Oh, no, no, I've done it to you. Oh <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> that, last, that last show on Find the Fem takes me back because... <clears throat> I remember that last hour and I had gotten so many messages because obviously it was a surprise to a lot of people that we were actually leaving because the Roger Good show was very like, Oh God, you had me in tears that day. I was like, no, I was not prepared I owe you for tissues. <laughs> I don't think any of us were mentally prepared. I don't think you ever, because it's family. Yes, Roger and I exactly. have been friends for 18 years. Roger was the first person I met in a studio He's this crazy dude that rocks up in a pajama. That's what he would do because he had the show before me. And he'd be like, hey, who are you? I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy's got so much energy. He goes like, right, where are you from? I'm like, from Durban. He goes like, when's your birthday? I'm like, October. He's like, oh, what date? I said, and I said, okay, let's say it together. I said, and we both said 25th. And I was like, oh, because it's my birthday. We're best friends. That is it. We're spitting on this and we're best friends. No one's ever going to break us apart. That was it. That is, that is the connection. That is the energy. That is things were meant to be. So Roger and I shared a birthday and we ended up working together on, on the drive show and leaving on breakfast. Mm. When we were doing that last show, there are messages that were coming through from so many people on Instagram. And I was like trying to get through all of them. And I think what, what grabbed me was when people started to share the impact we have, and we don't realize it often. We know that you're on a popular platform. So yes, people will know who you are. But when you, when people stop you and go, the reason why I love you, Sush, is because of this, this, and this. And I get so emotional. And then the, the the theme that was coming through from so many people were like, to have somebody of color and a woman who represented a very minority community in this country to break a border and go all the way to a former white rock radio station that was very male dominated. There were so many things that you did that was like, oh, mind blown. How did this girl from Durban go from a lot and go there and did it? How did she join the dots? How did this happen? It was just incredible for young Indian people to say, Sureshni, every time we heard you or heard the word governor, we were like, that's my people. That's our person. Everything she says comes, she's explaining us. She's putting us on this platter. And now she's offering the Indian community for people to understand who we are. We're not all in all. We're not. The, st- the stereotypes that you think we are. We're not all about curry and rice. We are more than that. And to have that was such a massive 
massive responsibility. And I wanted to make sure throughout my whole, my whole journey was to remain authentic. That's why I'm the dot. That's why I'm with I'm married to a user Thali. That is why I have a luxury string. But to have opportunities to use a platform like Five and tell and share my story so that every time you hear about roti or a fast day, why we, Diwali is Diwali, why we do this and why we do that, guys, there is such a massive opportunity to teach and learn. And I didn't realize that I felt like a custodian of sto- sorts. That was mm. my duty. And when I heard... When I read the stories of girls saying to me, Sushi, you don't understand, it made the walking into an office and not having to tell people why I use the red dot, why I do, made it so much more easier so that we understand each other. There is fluency in how we speak and how we, how we learn from our cultures because that is who we are. That show, that was the show that probably broke me the most because it was the realization and looking back and going, oh my goodness, this is what... My role wasn't just to be on radio to talk about the song and do a link. My role was to make my parents proud and to tell them that coming from that area and having those dreams that we could dream much bigger things, that coming from a little place called Lotus Park, Isapingo, did not put you in a box that you could only do this, this, and this, that you could only get married and do this, this, and this, and because this country was not going to give me opportunities that what I studied was not going to be traditionally what everybody else studied. I did something that they never expected. And my parents are, I did that show. I did what I do for my mom and my dad, just to remind them that it's okay. That whatever you've been through is just a lesson in life and it's an opportunity to learn. And for my dad allowing me that freedom to be that butterfly, look where it took me and look at the people that grew with me Mm. and, I, I I always look back with such humility. I really, I, I read messages up to today. And I'm like, oh, wow, this girl said um, being dark-skinned was such a big thing. I knew I suffered under horrible thing of colorism for being too dark. Sush, by you just going and doing a TV show, or you just doing that, or you being on you radio. You did it. You did the Gilman. things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, somebody who looks like me can do those things. For all this talk in the last year yeah. about quote-unquote normalizing, I mean, that's mm. exactly what you guys did. You talk about yeah. Five and radio being family, and that, that really is what it is. It's what we try and accomplish here on this yeah. podcast. And for, for you guys, I mean, you, you really are family, and you can hear it. You yeah. can hear that love for each <laughs> other coming through yeah. through the airwaves. And it's people from all walks of life. So as you say, yeah, no, you, yeah perhaps you set the, the standard for when a woman does walk into your office environments and she does have a red dot on her forehead, it is not a foreign concept. So yes. it's almost like yeah. without knowing it, uh, people like you and families like they, they were on five and on our radio, on our, on our airwaves, set the standard for how we would move out of apartheid and, and yes. move forward as a society. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we've got a long yeah. way to go, but I mean, I think mm. what you're saying is, I mean, you guys really did get us started. And yeah. And this is the world we're Thank parenting you. in today. This is the world we're mm. raising our children in today. And I couldn't be mm. more grateful because yeah. there is, there's a, there's a lot of work still to be done, but I'm, I'm happy that my children, yes, were pale white, uh, half Afrikaans, half English people, but my children will not grow up being those people that look at someone who doesn't look like them and think 
that's weird they're other yes they're gonna yeah, hold exactly. their arms wide yeah. open and be these are my friends these are my people yeah and and our differences is what teaches us what the world is about yeah you could you could, as an experiment, you could take kids and put them into this sort of utopia and say, you only live this and you only grow up with this. But if you let that one child out into the world, they're going to battle because, whoa, what is all this new media and data coming at me? It, that's what a mom looks like. That's what an African woman, that's what her hair looks like. That's what, whoa, that's what a guy with an Afro. Not all so families look like mine. This is, yeah, and all families are completely different. For Parvani, that lesson started from day one. Dad looks like this when he's got blue eyes. Mom looks like this and she's got brown eyes. And but this is this is love. This is and me going to Parvani's school and her little friends are like, Parvani, you can't go home with a stranger. We're gonna tell teacher there's a man at the and then Parvani's like, relax, that's my dad. My dad, <laughs> he has blue eyes. And those kids are like, oh, wow. because Parvani's mom, yes. And so that for me was like great. And I said, This is who I am, and this is Uncle Lee, and we love each other. And they're like, oh, okay, that's mom, that's dad, that's that's it. And they have families that represent themselves and they come to in different shapes and forms, but it's our responsibility when we see something, when a child points and, oh, what is that? We don't, we don't um, like punish the kid for pointing something out. You have to, that's a learning moment. That's for you to say to a child, get onto their level. Okay, mama, this is what this family looks like. This is a dad and a dad, and that's what their family looks like. So I remember going to a lot of malls and little kids who bless would see this and would come up like, and they want to touch. And even my, uh, Lee's nieces and they've got little little babies. It's fascinating because I'm the only brown person in the family. Yes. So they would come to me and, and then stay touching off the hair. And then it's, I just want to feel your hair. Is it the same as mine? I'm like, oh, we're the same. I said, I just want to feel your skin. I'm like, yeah, we're the same. Touch, touch. And you should spend extra time in the sun. That's why. <laughs> and they go, what is this? And then they were like, does it hurt? And I would take my dot off and I put it on. They're like, oh, I just sushi. Like, Look magic. at that. And yeah. then, yeah. And then I'd explain, oh, we love your bangle. What is this? And I said, this is what it is. And it's about like, so the, uh, I remember seeing a post recently of a, of a woman that, had a little child that said, oh, so-and-so has a big, and women wear different types of bindis or butus. Yeah. That's what it is, sizes. And as a joke, the little boy was, oh, it looks like a recording button. And it offended me. And I thought, you know what? Yes, it probably is. When I make these jokes at weddings, it's funny. But that was a learning moment that you missed because you would have said to your child, okay, that is a dot and Indian women who are married, they wear a red dot. Your friend at school who is little might wear a black dot. And this is what it is. It's about finding those moments to teach. And that's how we as families can learn from each other. I've learned about so much from Lee's Afrikaans family. I've learned about his German side of the family and he's in, and everyone has beautiful traits. I learned from his great granny how to make the most amazing Malva pudding. It's about wanting to learn and wanting to exchange and grow with each other. That's mm. what we're all here. We're on this, we're on God's green earth for what? Mm, for what? Exactly. You go, you're not, you're not living exactly. here just for yourself. You can't live like this. You have to live with open, beautiful eyes. And that's what I encourage. And, and thank you for saying that about our five and show, because it really was the perfect snapshot of an average South African life, Indian person, an African person, a white person, an Afrikaans person, and a white boy all of us from different walks of life and look how we are so cohesive. We would tease each other, love each other, learn from each other. When it was a cultural day, the entire station loved it. Oh, Sush, what are you fasting for today? This is what we're doing. And I'm like, all of you have to fast. And they did. No and way. Robbie, That's amazing. Yes. 
Roger and, and and when when Zanelli was having a cultural day or Zanelli was going down for a funeral, I'd ask, why are you wearing it like this? What must we wear? What is the appropriate thing to do? Every day is an opportunity to learn. Every day is an opportunity to grow your mind. And that's what I want for our kids. And that's why I know South Africa is going to be excellent. We are on the right trajectory. As long as we have open hearts and open minds and this wonder to learn, we are good. It doesn't mm. matter what's happening in the ivory towers. We we represent mm. society. So, so let's yes. take that and example. And you know as yeah, and you know as moms, how much you can kids they're they're sponges. Mm. So do the right thing. Do, teach them. And if you don't know, ask questions. I can tell you now, if you didn't know something about someone who's Muslim wearing a scarf or why they're fasting for Ramadan, they'd be so happy. To when explain. I see friends of mine who are not Indian wearing Indian saris or uh, celebrating Diwali, it makes my heart jump. Uh-huh. It makes me, that is why when those, when the people who followed me from my community heard me talking about the things on radio, about Diwali and uh, Aman praise and this, their hearts jumped. Why? Because oh, they, they're talking about us. They're saying Indian words. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I don't have to feel like I'm weird when I walk in and I'm wearing a Punjabi on a Friday. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It normalized that. And that is something that I take with me. I am so appreciative of that moment and that realization of what my role has been in for anything other than entertaining people, teaching them people. Mm. The fact that I had a cultural opportunity and a person of color opportunity, I take that with both hands. Well, it's been a it's been a quite an eventful eighteen years that you've had at five, and as we've said, sadly that that had to come to an end. Mm. That season one passed, and I want to know about that moment because that is that is what we yeah. we've been chatting about. I mean, before we were chatting with you, we were chatting about just sort of that career change and and how I mean, when you become a mother, your identity changes. But part of your identity, mm. if you are career driven, not every mom is, and we acknowledge that. But if you are career yeah. driven, part of your identity is that that all important work. So mm. you came to a very harsh and sudden realization that this time was coming to an end, you didn't have a lot of time to prep for it. Mm. Can you tell yeah. us about that moment where that season one was coming to an end? And you realized that that handbrake was being pulled up for you. You know, <clears throat> so for people who didn't know, we we intimated a lot of it on the show because unfortunately for us, it was a two-week notice. Um, some of my friends were lucky to get a year's notice. Unfortunately, our show uh, was, a, so in radio world, every year we have what they call a contract change. So we know in April, <laughs> from January to April, do not call any DJ. It's the their worst time because they are freaking out. We don't do things like KPIs, okay? We do things called snoops where in the year you have these sessions where a programs manager would listen to your show and go, right, listen, you're on the right track. We want this from you. We expect this. So you kind of go on your way. But there are a lot of elements that affect why your contract will be renewed or not. It could be the station's decision. Maybe their positioning has changed. Maybe they're no longer going for a youth market. So if you have always been invested in youth radio and suddenly you've got to know 90s and maybe 80s music, it might shake you off your, your axis a little bit. But these things happen in the radio world so every, every year because I've been a freelancer for 18 years of my life. I've lived 
like <laughs> waiting. To, I lived on the edge literally for 18 years. And that's a very tough thing to do because how do you plan lives? How do you get a house? How do you have a child knowing that you only have 12 months to build up money or revenue or credit so that you can survive the next year? So every mm. year has been a battle. Your aunt and hooks sports. during that time. 100%, 100%. And I did that for 18 years. Sure. But I was lucky, not lucky. I don't want to say it's luck because I, were, I did work very hard. I used that time to, again, become this octopus. Like, right. I'll do voiceovers, I'll build my MC life, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this, so I can get income and find different revenue streams because I want to survive. I need a, I want to have a family at some point. I'm now in a relationship. We're about to have a kid. We'd like, we can't live in a flat anymore. We want to live in a complex. We want dogs. So I think that was my natural progression. So hearing that, that, sh- that was a shock. It is the most traumatic. It is really, I think, um, I said this to you guys before, that I don't think I've mentally dealt with it because I, in my head, have said to myself, I'm in this position, I need to keep this this moving for my own sanity. I need to recognize that, um, yes, I will cry. Yes, I will grieve. Yes, I will mourn. Um, but at this point, I have to keep things going so that I don't lose momentum to find what was meant to be for me next. Because I, I think we got so complacent 18 years, but we had the show for so long, everything was going great. So you don't start to think of other things. Lee gave me the best advice on that day when I got the phone call to say, hi, Suj. Uh, you know, we were all we know that the SABC is going through a lot of change because the restructure has been part of the thing. In fact, most organizations are. COVID came in, so we knew people were losing jobs. And we were so good because we got to work from home. Our jobs were all safe. So at that point, we didn't get an indication that things were going to change. However, this is life. And stations have the right to change things and formats. I think for us, it felt like an unfair blow because it was just a two-week notice, especially because people like Roger and I have served them diligently for 18 years. It almost felt personal, like, oh, guys, we're not just a number. We're people. We've got families. And it isn't about that. I think it was a financial decision for the Broadcast Association, for the organization. And I'm okay with that. I think for me, I would have liked to have a longer notice so that I can mentally prepare and financially prepare. But Lee said to me, Sometimes in life, it's like these things break and happen for a reason because it has to push you so quickly to your next step. And this craziness that happened and the the tumultuous way it happened prepared me for the biggest part of my life because he said to me, your value hasn't changed. It's just that your time got cut short. You know, when we have people in our lives and we love them forever and suddenly they get sick and they die really quickly. Mm. And it's like, why? How? Why did this happen to me? It isn't about why. It's because there is a plan out there. Rather, turn the why into, this has happened to me, I wonder why, in a positive way. There has to be a reason behind this. And let me look at it like that. Instead of saying, oh, is it because I was poor, because I was bad? I didn't do anything wrong. Um, From my career, I've never had disciplinaries or BCCSA. So I know it wasn't that. I know I read the news the way exactly I was supposed to do. It was it was meant to be something else. There was a decision that was outside of my control. And it's about letting go of that moment. And it was very tough. It was, for my colleagues and I, we were probably in more shell shock because then we had to say a week later on air, guys, we're going off. And knowing our show, everything is always a joke. So no one took us seriously. They were like, And weren't we going towards, we were heading towards April Fool's Day. Yes. So they (laughs) kept saying, Oh, Roger, good show. April Fools, we see you, we see you. And we're like, no, guys, come one April, we're not gonna be here. And I sure. I swear, even up until the morning, people more people tuned in because like this show obviously has a massive plan. So maybe they're moving the show to like 
back to daytime or back to evenings or drive, whatever. Not a single person believed it. And then we were like saying on air, hi, like Roger specifically had said, guys, I want to announce that I'm going to become a dad. It's poor timing for me because I'm losing my job. And that's what it is. And we know freelancers, we don't get fired. Our contracts don't get renewed. But in our little heads, that's that's what it feels like. It is. It feels you, like being fired, because I'm yeah. You are axed because you're no longer there. You no longer belong to a family. And someone's told you, this is where the ride stops. Now you you I have to leave. leave yeah. yeah, you Thanks. can't. Yeah. Bye. So I was, I was, yeah, exactly that. But I was lucky to be offered, uh, they offered me a, um, a three-month training stint. I love, I love programming. I love helping people grow. And I was lucky to train some of their new news readers that had joined. And they'd said to me, Sush, this is obviously a temporary little thing just to get you going until you find where you want to land. And I was like, yay. I was very thankful because, hello, we have a bond to pay. Hello, we've got a kid in school. We've got food to put on the table. So, and I'm very humble about things like, thank you. I take, I receive, I accept. Because I would not, I wasn't angry. The moment it happened, the you would imagine like, oh, anger, hate. No, that didn't come. Those emotions did not come because I'd, I knew something was going to happen. I mean, I didn't expect to retire at five. Guys, I'm 43 years old. The fact that I stayed at a youth radio station defied what the station parameters are for presenters. I'm very cognizant and I'm very lucky and I'm I'm very mature about that. I think a lot of presenters must be mature about that because, you know, you go into a contract. It is a one-year thing or it's a two or three-year thing. Be mindful. You. You can't, you can't also expect people to like, no, we must now change because we didn't promise you 10 years Mm-mm. to be realistic. That is why you as a presenter, you need to fill up your life quickly in this freelancer life that's built. And I think talking about being a career woman, I say it to my friends all the time, my friends who are working, I'm like, you know, you're working too hard. Why are you only logging off at nine o'clock? You, do you know that if you die tomorrow, they'll replace you the next day? It's a corporation. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say corporations are bad people, but at the end of the day, I theoretically always say and preach to my friends, you are just a number. But when it's me and when I'm dealing with it, (laughs) it's so hard. It's easier said than done not to take it personally, because especially if you're so career driven that this is your passion, this is your drive, this is a huge part of your life. Yeah. And, And this particular family have been important to me because remember I, I left my home. Yes. So for 18 years, I needed to lean on people. I didn't have my mom and my dad and my siblings and having that normal, this is how we're going to wake up every day. There's curry and rice Monday to Sunday. And on Mondays, mom is going to make this. And on don't forget the prayer happens. I didn't have that. And also the, the few cousins that were in Joburg were very physically far. This was my family. They were my core. So throughout the years, building relationships with people, and if you know my personality, I fall in love with people. I make you my family. I take care of people. I'm very, I'm very family focused. So if you're my friend, you're my friend for life. We're in because I do not know how to undo that because I grew up in a in a family like that. Our family home was filled with every single auntie, uncle, granny, grandpa. We lived in that environment. So for me, I held up to the fact that the Roger could show they were my family. They're my people, especially Rog. Rog and I been together for 18 years it's like we were babies we went through preschool primary school high school and now we're adults and our parents are saying get out of the house please go to do your own gap and that's what it is and and it's the connections but I also am very cognizant of the fact that hold on Sush this is your family they'll always be there for you Mm. they'll always be part of your life then you must question the kind of friendships that you have because if these are your friends your true friends 
You don't, you cannot see him for three years. Maybe you'll pick up exactly where you left off. And that's, that's what it is. And that's the bond. But I think it was like not see, not be able to see them or not be able to have that routine with them. And that's the, the, the worry about, okay, what's going to happen? I'm not going to see them again. What happens to me? It's also the unknown, I guess, I imagine. It's, the, it's that fear of the unknown because you've gotten so, not complacent, but used to used and comfortable to. Mm. in that space yeah. for so many years and not, yeah. not being able to see what tomorrow is going to look like. It's mm. scary. It's scary. You know dude. it's going to be okay, but you're just like, <laughs> what now? What, what do I do now? Yeah, because but, every month I got a salary. Every month there was a routine. Like I built my life around, oh, this is what happens and da 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 so we're going to be okay. So it obviously was a massive shock to my system. And my husband for past five years had already said to me, Sush, what's your plan B? What's your, and obviously I was like irritated. I'm like, oh, I love what I do. This is what I, he's like, yes, I know you love what you do. And, and you it's love all about the plan love, A. Yeah. But he, and, and he's an engineer and he's like, what is your plan B? And he's like, so Sush, you need to grow up quickly. And that's what happened overnight. I grew up like that. Where, where I said, uh, immediately poverty came to the fore. Parvani's picture came to the front. I'm like, I have this daughter. Uh, she's got eyes on me. I need to know how I respond. Because how you respond yes. is everything. And that is what I chose. I chose to respond very differently. A lot of my friends in this industry generally, um, and you can understand, guys, it's an emotional thing. Radio is a, is a connection. It's family. It's everything. So we are sensitive people. So when this happens, we get angry and we go through the whole denial and anger and all of that. But it's I, a grieving I could not. process. It's it is, yeah. And and the OCD mom and me said, I will schedule the cry for the Friday. But today <laughs> I heard on a Thursday, I was actually emceeing an event. I was I was a corporate host for a corporate TV host for builders. And I remember we did a whole week of international. So I was sitting in a, in the studio. So the moment that I heard. I couldn't even like cry at that point because I still had to go back into the studio. Mm. And I went, did my thing. And then afterwards I spoke to LZ and Salome. I said, this is what happened. And they're like, you, you did a whole show. What's wrong with you? I'm like, because this is what I do. We have to do this and I'll contain. I got into the car, phoned Lee and I said, this is what happened. He was like, cool, get home. We'll chat. I walked in. Obviously when I saw him, I was a bit shaky and gave him a hug. And he's like, right, get it back into your office. Take your time. Go sit, go think, and go figure out how you are going to mentally deal with this. I got into my office and it's the weirdest thing how I reacted. I got my book, my little, actually have it here. This is my book. <clears throat> and here, I even marked the day that this has happened. And it says, start by doing what's necessary, then do what's possible. And suddenly you're doing the impossible. I wrote that down. 11th of March, you can even see it, right? And I also wrote that you are, you are valuable, but the time changes. So I made a little post-it note. That was my little note. It's there. You are and then valuable, next, but the time changes. You are valuable. The time changes. Nothing about wow. you. Your value doesn't change. Your time. And Lee gave me that advice. That's what he said to me in the office. He goes, Sush, this was always coming. You know it. But don't look at it as if they took away your value or that you're not good enough or that you're not talented enough. It's not that. Your time just got cut short. Your time changed. I wrote that down immediately. And then on the pages... All the people that I was going to speak to. Each so for the listeners, I just want to say, we're looking at this this journal. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, this is my book. And, I sw- like, and this book, like I said, I wrote it down, 11th of March. And then on the next pages, I wrote all the people in my life that dif- at different radio stations because I thought, okay, immediately think I'm a radio presenter. So what would be the most natural progression? Back into radio. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let me see who I need to send my demos to. But let me phone friends and let me get advice. And I'd written little notes to myself about everything 
It's happening for you right now. The wishes you've made are in creation. Things are changing. Everything is aligning for your greater good. The new energy may feel a little unsettling, but it's guaranteed to transform your world. Sush, when times are tough, always remember it will all be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. These are the words I wrote to myself on the 11th of March. And I keep this as my reminder because I love journaling. But these thoughts came to me on that day because of the thing that Leah had said to me. It's like the value doesn't sing. You still tell. They can't. If this was a bottle, suddenly your talent, suddenly my ability to speak doesn't like disappear. They can't take that no. from you. No one can take that from you. They can't. No you can't can, take that away from you. It's not yeah. invalid. It's still yes. very valid what you have to offer. Yeah. And that moment, it's frightening because that, that's the only thing you think you know. But you don't realize that you have more to offer. But in this industry, it's very small. It's tough for someone like me who spent 24 years only in this particular industry to now, can I walk into somebody's office and go, hi, I can do accounting. I can't. I can't do reception work. I, I'm not skilled in being a chartered accountant or someone who's an IT specialist or someone who's an engineer. I studied journalism. Yes. Could I walk back into a newsroom? I probably could, but I'd have to start at the very bottom because things has changed in 24 years. Media has changed. So to that, that's the scary thing when you go, oh my goodness, I'm 43. How do I go back? I'm going to be competing with varsity students who have learned a million things in a more industrial revolution. They've learned things. Yeah, the digital coding. revolution happened on your watch it's, while you were behind exact, the mic. Yeah. Correct. You know, and I don't want someone to go, okay, boomer, you're just learning now. <laughs> I, you know, so a lot of those, a lot of those things jump into your head, but it's how you respond. It's which ones do you choose? For me, in this whole process, it's clarity. Clarity was the word that came up for me. It was like, Sush, what do you want out of your life? And I was like, okay, what do I want to do? In this book, I wrote, okay, what do I want? A, I want to go back into radio. I want to immediately jump back and go read news and go do a show. Because that's the strength. I know it. I can do it. Done. What else? If that doesn't work out, and I thought, like, well, why wouldn't it work? Because I've built up a wonderful CV. But I was like, hold on. This is the reality. Other stations are already done lineup. It's March. Remember, April is when the new year happens. So they've already been planning six months ago. You're six months too late. You are on the back foot. What is your next step? So I wrote these things out of what I want to do, map it out. And I went to friends for advice. So Nick Grubb was the man that hired me at 5FM. And he's a dear friend. And I said to him, Nick, I need advice. Tell me where I should. Because I think my gut was scrambled. I was a bit like, oh, what do I want to do? Because I've got all these skills. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And he said to me, Sush. Ask yourself, what is it you want to do? Just, I'm sure you can find an on-air position. Someone will take you up because of no this doubt, wonderful yeah. person that you are. Yeah. But he says, but is that what you want to do now? And I, and, I sat, and I said to Lee at the same time, I said, I am tired of being a freelancer. He goes, right. There's the first thing. You don't want to be a freelancer. So what are you looking for? A full-time job. Cool. That means you must look into management. You're looking into a job that's maybe not on air because nobody has a full-time radio job. So I said, okay, cool. I've got abilities. I don't want to lose my voice. So a podcast, you're like, that's fine. Podcasts are easy. You can do it. That's not a thing. But is it going to pay your bills? I'm like, no. So he goes, what do you want to do? What's, what's hungry? What did you always want to do? I said, I want to be a programs manager, but I didn't build on the skills that I was supposed to. So maybe it's too late. To, I can't just become a programs manager. He's like, no, no, it's never too late. You want to be a station manager? Never too late. You want to be a, a, a big ex executive producer? Not too late. It's about figuring out how to quickly join the dots and how to get there. Might take you a year, might take you five, but wherever you start, 
think where you want to start because you want to project that way. So you can't now go and open up an ice cream shop if I want to be a programs manager. I need to get myself into a radio station so I can find the line A and B and dot. It. Think so about like, okay, where cool. you're channel- channeling your resources, yes. right? Yeah. Yes, because also, also remember I've got time. I only have two weeks before we say goodbye on air. And remember, people, if you're not seen and not heard, you get forgotten. And that's that's the other thing about what radio people go through. It's about this thing about, oh, will they forget me? And that's one of the things I spoke to my coach about. And then she said to me, so what? So what if they don't remember what you sound like? So what if they don't remember who you were and what you did? It doesn't matter. You did it. You did it. You achieved it. You accomplished it. They can never take that away. Yes, it might feel like, oh, I enjoyed it because, and I said to her, I enjoyed it so much that they felt like families. Family will always be there. People are growing as well. They're going to grow into you, out of you. They're going to, everybody moves on and that's life. You are, change is constant. It is the only constant that you have. And if you accept that change is constant, you will realize that nothing is static. Nothing is promised. It's always going to change. And if you go with that and you feel like you are water, then you will change and you will form into the, that's what I imagined myself to be on that day. For someone who had the rug literally pulled out from under you, you have your feet firmly on the ground, my friend. (laughs) And I want to wrap up. I need to, not that I want to. I actually don't want to wrap up. I want to be here for the next three hours. Like, come over. Like, Actually, you. you're in Joburg somewhere. Just like, get in your car. Please, come. can we <laughs> coffee sometime and talk to you about this? I have we know you're a busy so woman, food. but she's like. <laughs> we're, actually, we're on our way. Damn yeah. be those kids. We're, we're, coming, we're coming over. We're inviting ourselves for the next Diwali, your place. <gasps> we're on our way. Yes. <laughs> Sounds Please like a Please come over. Let's. We'll make it like a really cool day. But I, said, I know the time is... Wow, guys, it really, really flew. A time did fly, but I, and I have to say, uh, Thank you. you've mm. given us, I mean, food for thought is not even, a, 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 mm. for someone who might be in a similar situation and a similar career change, I, I think that your steadfastness and your grace and your level-headedness through all of this is really something that I myself am going to hold on to I'm not going to, there's, there's, there's lots of that I'm going to be writing in my own journal mm. and be like, yeah. okay, I've got this on record, but let me just yeah. put those affirmations in my life. So thank you for that. And I thank you on behalf of our listeners. Thank you. Something that you must remember. And it's something that I know, and I appreciate that you think that I'm so steadfast. <laughs> it's taken a lot of work of, of working through and coming through with this, this, the feelings and acknowledging the sad feelings, acknowledging that I'm going to be sad, acknowledging to cry, finding the moments to find that. But at the same time, for me, it was my daughter and my husband. It wasn't about letting them down. It's about, I want to be there for them. I want to be the best mom. I want to still be suit. I'm yes. not, we were not put on this earth to be defeated, guys. We never. But to also remember that for a new beginning to happen, something has to end. Mm. So for you to move forward, you have to look back and go, okay, what must end here? Because you can't be doing everything. Mm. And I am in the best second phase of my life. I made a mental decision. Like, you know what? I've done radio. 24 years has been great. I've been on the mic. Now I want to show them that there's another layer of sushi. There's another multi-skill. And that's where I land now. And that's where I find myself. And when I want, when I went to Nick and I said, I want to be a programs manager. And he said to me, what else do you want to do if you did a pro? I want to do this. And I've got ideas and I love creating. And that's where I've landed. Give us the skinny. Give us the skinny. What is season two all about? (laughs) Season sushi season two. (laughs) 
Sushi Seasons 2 finds me as a creative solution strategist, and I am now part of the Prime Media family. For those of you not familiar with Prime Media, they're the, one of the biggest broadcast women who lands yes. on her feet. <laughs> I love it. Yes. So Prime Media takes care of five radio formats or five radio assets, which is 947. It's KFM in Cape Town. It is Cape Talk in Cape Town. It is 702 here, as well as EWN, which is Eyewitness News. And I get to work across those five radio properties, creating ideas for presenters, for clients, solving problems. So if a client comes to us and say, hey, we want to spend a million rand, we've got this money, but we do not know if this speaks. Can it create brand awareness? Can you help us put this into a radio style? Could this go on Anele show? Could this could this work for um, someone like Tanda? How do I make this idea come to life? Guys, this is what I've been doing for 24 years. Good features. And the moment that Grant explained the job to me, I was like, oh, no. That is literally no. and, what and I was made I got the, for. Yeah. I got the call exactly two weeks. And and um, I'm going to tell you, honestly, I wasn't looking for this job because I didn't know it was ex- didn't exist. Existed, I didn't have yes. a name for it. And I, I didn't see that it was being advertised. He happened to phone me. He goes, hi, we work together. I want you to give this a shot and try interview for this. I'm like, and he goes, and I need a CV. I'm like, a CV? Dude, I haven't done a CV since... And I didn't because remember radio CV is a demo. And mm. I was like, and I found a friend, Rochelle, Rochelle, how do I do a CV? And what's the cover letter? And what do I, she goes, oh my God. Okay. And I had friends help me and they go, go for it. And I said, I've never done an interview. What is an interview like? Because I know radio world, this is, they hear your voice. We chat. And I did that. And I, and I got called on a Tuesday, had the interview on a Friday, got the call for the job on the Monday. And I started last Monday. It's my second week of inductions. And I, it's, you know, when all the pieces come together, when your purpose and your vision align and what is meant for you in the timing, then you know. And this is, that is, this is, I tell myself, remember what you went through 18 years ago at Lotus and sitting on that seat and you had no idea and you had a gut feel and look how that massive decision propelled you to five and 18 years. I'm exactly the same person again. And this is me restarting re-finding myself, re-just growing on the new butterfly. And that's what it is. It's emerging into my second phase. But this time I'm not starting from scratch. I'm starting from experience. And that's why I'm excited. And I feel the same energy that I did the day I saw Gilman, the day that door opened and I saw Fiverr Fam. I've got goosebumps listening to you. Thank you. And I hope it's the same for everybody else who experiences it. And I can tell you now, truthfully, many of my friends are struggling to find work. I am I'm so grateful that I found something and now I help them. And I hope they go through and I explain to them the same way. I said, do not lose your faith. Do not lose hope. It's uh, something grand is coming your way. You have to visualize that. You've got to believe it. You've got to put your energy behind it because what is meant for you, it's yours. It's always meant for you. Whatever you're meant to be in is promised to you. So you just have to open your minds, take away that fear. Once you lose that fear and you park it somewhere on the side and you start to project to what you want, it will come. And that's what happened to me. It really did. And I feel very blessed and I'm very thankful every day that it happened like that for me. And I hope the same for all of my friends or anyone who's lost job uh, jobs during COVID. You'll be surprised where what the universe tells you. You might tell yourself, I'm meant to be doing this, but the universe says, uh-uh. Because the universe answers you in three ways. yes. This is for you. Yes, but not right now. And no, I've got something grander. Wow. So that is my conversation with God. So God and I, we have this conversation. And I said to him, 
am I supposed to be here? He was like, yes, this is for me. Yes. And if I didn't get it like, yes, but not right now, this is not for you right now. And if he said to me, no, it's because I know he's got a grand. And that is what took me through. And if there's, if that's my parting words and my advice, then that is it for me. Do not give up. Please do not give up. I want to bottle your vibes. Uh, Yes. I'm going to, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to, I want to leave our listeners with that very thought. And I want to Thank keep you. tabs on you, Suresh, <laughs> because yeah, Sush for president is what I'm thinking. Yes, yes moms, I'll take moms that ballot. Moms <laughs> got this. Suresh, you, you can do it. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on The Great Equalizer. Thank you. And congratulations on your beautiful podcast. Thank you for helping women. And moms out there realize that they're more than just moms. They are multi-layered, talented individuals and that they are loved. Thank you so much for this beautiful opportunity. Thank you. Oh, listen, I could, I could listen to her forever and a day. Her, she's inspirational. Her, her story just, she moves me as, as it was very, very evident in our discussion. <laughs> what yeah, a great answer. I, and a mouthful, but we hope, I mean, I trust that that was inspirational, as inspirational for you listeners as it was for us. But Charlene, here's what I'm thinking. How about some resources now? We've got the inspo. Yes. But yes, yes. How about the how I was how just to? actually going, I was just actually going to say, Sam, um, having the fire and the passion to branch out to make your own career move or to make a new career move or start start your, your own thing. It's one thing, but you need a community of professional women or people that you can tap into. Um, cause, cause I mean, that, that'll be very useful. I think about when you, when you started out as a writer. Absolutely. I was part of, I was a member to two groups, two sort of communities of mostly women who, um, were starting out or were working for themselves or were professionals in their own right. And it was so nice to have a group of professionals to lean on when I needed to find out where they made their artwork or how they did their jingles or how they would how send they out create their a website. Yeah. Where do you start with even creating a website? Which platform is the best one to use? Or Figuring whatever. out social media. You just need like-minded uh, women and and it helps when they're mothers as well who know what you're going through and know what you're looking f- to achieve in terms of marketing your business or getting out there and starting your platform whatever your platform might be and this is why we've brought on our next guest not only is our next guest a chartered accountant and impassioned diversity advocate she's also a feminist and a philanthropist who is intent on using her voice to amplify the causes closest to her. Boss Babes South Africa CEO, Kovani Moodley, has enjoyed a 10-year corporate career working for several listed organizations, driving change across industries, using her vast global skill set to achieve efficiency and organizational optimization. Oof. Can I bottle up that energy, Charlene? (laughs) (laughs) That is a mouthful and I want me some of that. (laughs) I can't wait to chat to Govani about Boss Babes of South Africa and the great things that this digital empowerment platform has been up to. Welcome, Govani. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I really, truly appreciate your time. 
and having chosen me to share my experience uh, of phosphates of South Africa with you. Well, this is right up our alley. Empowerment is something that we chat about quite often. Yeah, I want to know more. Coveney, hailing from a little town south of Durban, you've apparently always been a young change maker from way back in the day. This obviously, or in my mind, has culminated in what you created with Boss Babes of South Africa. Tell us when and why you founded this digital platform. Yeah, absolutely. I think ever since I was a young child, I always wanted to impact causes around me in a bigger or or more meaningful way. Um, And having grown up in Durban and then moved across to Johannesburg, um, you know, you go through experiences in life, I can call it that way. You know, I've just been exposed to women in the last few years, really pulling each other down, um, Mm. you know, bringing negativity into the space, not wanting to empower, uplift and inspire each other. It's very uh, competition driven and, you know, competition Mm. healthy but sometimes it can drive a lot of negativity as well so I think having watched episodes of this play out where women are dragging each other down um, as well as you know uh, being being around other women that were you know had similar sentiments where they've experienced similar episodes um, it really made me stop and think about you know we're always looking for other people to change the world we're always looking for someone else to do something Mm-hmm. Um, and here's a really great opportunity for me to actually utilize uh, what was happening around me at that particular time to actually try and drive change and, and impact um, the mindset more than anything around me. Mm. Very nice. <laughs> Charlene likes <laughs> thinking, that. <laughs> I'm just thinking what a brave approach because you're 100% right. I can get so unhappy about a lot of things, especially at the injustice of it all. And like, why can't we be- do better? And then I'm like, I guess I've just got to get up off my button and, and drive doing better by myself, you know, and people will follow. This bold platform, Coveney, Boss Babes of South Africa, it, how long has it been on the go for and what exactly does the platform aim to accomplish? So it's pretty much been in existence for around 15 months now. Um, so really just started early in 2020. And it really aims to celebrate authentic, powerful, and multifaceted women of South Africa through our digital platforms. It is really about collaboration, networking, uh, and finding women with the same mindset, finding women that you can have you know, real, uh, sincere conversations with finding women that are in your niche, women that you um, want to inspire, women that may have the same skill set as you. And that's really uh, this community of women coming together to really, um, you know, share their skills, uh, create meaningful relationships, uh, and a whole host of other elements. So this business is but a toddler, you say, but I mean, you've achieved something phenomenal with it. If I just briefly look at at what you've accomplished, 10,000 followers on Instagram, you've chatted to to Lira, um, South African songstress, which was awesome. I love that interview. And you guys have chatted to Sureshni Rada, who we chatted to on this very episode. And I just foresee so many um, great things coming for you guys. So that you have other platforms. If I look at... Your website, there's so much going on there, including um, Boss Media House. So how exactly does that fit into this Boss Babes vision? That's a really, really great question, Sam. So 
you know, um, when we when we sat to brainstorm and said, "Boss babes of South Africa is our mothership." That is the message we want is woman empowerment and upliftment. Um, but after looking at it for a few months, we thought, you know what? There's so much more we can do with all the amazing women that are part of this platform. Why not create a secondary platform and actually utilize the secondary platform to implement woman empowerment activities? So, for example, if you are a female founder or you're a baker in Santon and you're not sure how to actually market your brand, um, Boss Media House will actually help you to put you in touch with some amazing influencers in your area and help you to market your brand using influencer marketing. I just felt that having so many women that, you know, were so cross-skilled, um, it didn't make sense to kind of just keep it on one platform, kind of, you know, created a secondary platform, which are really our influencer and blogger community that come together to support each other and celebrate small businesses, female-founded businesses, we also use the platform to market newly qualified graduates, uh, specifically in the media space. So there's a lot of qualified photographers uh, sitting at home at the moment without uh, employment opportunities. And we utilize that platform where they're able to offer discount photography services, for example. So that is a secondary platform, more a channel that we utilize to leverage this power of when we say woman empowerment and woman upliftment. This is a platform that is tangibly uh, you know, actually implementing it. You've taken the combination of talents of, of these amazing women that we have in our country and we're putting them to good use. We're connecting them with each other. We're connecting them with brands. We're connecting brands with the right people. I mm. love it. I'm, I'm, mm. I'm behind it. If I, if I look closer at your website, you also have your in the bus seat. Tell me more about that. That happens every Thursday at 6 p.m. Absolutely. So we have In the Boss Seat, which is a live uh, Instagram show. Uh, for now it's an IGTV, but we're hoping to take it into a sort of formal studio in the near future. And that is really an opportunity where we bring on, you know, a, a South African trailblazing woman to come on and share their experience, share their story of success, share their story of struggle. Um, because I think we live in a world where sometimes we see someone's story or we see someone on social media and we say, you know, I could never achieve that level of success. So in the boss seat is really about bringing on these South African trailblazers to break it down for us. Tell us where, where it all started. Tell us some of the struggles you've had. Tell us the doors that have closed in your faces. Because those mm. are things that are a lot more relatable to our audience. People want to know, how did you get there? People don't mm. just want to know you're there and you're doing amazing and, you know, people are celebrating enough these days but this platform is really about coming through and you know sh showcasing your journey and hopefully our you know our audience have been really receptive to, to to kind of knowing um the story behind the story of many of our iconic south african women what a great way to inspire young women as well like if you're just you don't know what career path to choose or you're still deciding what a great uh thing to be exposed to to inspire young women to know the sky's the limit and uh, you can do it no matter how, how you look or where you're from or or what your experiences in life are or were. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Kovani, we've got a lot of um, moms listening. Either they are career women themselves or they're looking for a career change because having a child does that to you. You, you need the flexibility. Along with COVID, we've proven that we can work from home. We've proven that it's not always easy but that it is possible. However, I still think that once women have children, there's not a lot of space for them to carry on along the same career trajectory that they were. And so many women pivot in their careers. 
and they need support. Um, we have also a lot of small mom-owned businesses that we support that are on our platform as well and, and you know, look to Instagram and the like to market themselves. But if they want to be part of this sisterhood, they want to be part of Boss Babes, they want to share in the community, how do they go about that? It's a really great question. So everyone is welcome to be a part of Boss Babes. They don't have an age limit. Um, they don't need to look a certain way. You don't have to have certain body dimensions. Literally, this is a platform that embraces, you know, diversity, inclusion, and everything else. So anyone that's listening is welcome to be a part of Boss Babes of South Africa by going to our website, Africa, and clicking on the register button. So it takes about two, two and a half minutes to really pull out your information. And then we've got a good sense of who you are and, you know, best able to align you in terms of anything that, any opportunities that may come up as well, when we know where you're based, what you like, that sort of thing. Um, the other way to connect with us is across our social media platforms, uh, Instagram at Boss Babes of South Africa, Facebook at Boss Babes of South Africa, and LinkedIn at Boss Babes of South Africa. You could also send us a message. So if you're a small business owner listening at this point and, you know, the COVID-19 has really had um, quite a tremendous impact on our small businesses, which is why we launched this whole influencer marketing campaign uh, using our micro-influencers, you could reach out to us by sending us an email. It's all on our Instagram page, the email address, uh, and really tell us a bit about your business. Tell us what you're trying to achieve. Uh, and one of our team members will definitely get back to you in terms of how they can help to market your product. We often love to run competitions because I think competitions are really such a great way to get so many people looking at your brand that ordinarily would not happen. Um, so pretty much we can schedule you in for a competition and you know give out your, your press boxes, whatever it is that you're making, to influencers that are staying around you and, you know, they will do a post on, on, on our behalf for you. There's plenty of room here for women to uplift one another and for businesses to mm. grow. Um, and we will be putting all of our listeners in touch with all of your platforms. Guys, keep an eye on the show notes and our social media because we will, of course, be sharing where you can find the Boss Babes of South Africa. Kovani, I have one more question for you and that's, what can we look forward to from the Boss Babes of South Africa in the coming months? So we have we are launching a digital magazine on the 25th of May. So it's just a few days away. Um, our editing team are, are knee deep with dictionaries and everything else that goes with that. So it'll be our <laughs> digital magazine that will be launched on the 25th of May on our website. Um, and that is really going to be, you know, um, we're aiming for a lot of depth and a lot of substance coming through in that magazine uh, in terms of women contributing, professional women, women within our community contributing to that magazine. Um, and we've got a, quite a few events that we're hosting, collaboration, networking events as well. Um, so you can head across to our page, Boss Media House, uh, that's at BMH underscore ZA. Uh, and keep close to that because all our events in the next two months are going to be posted on there. And that is a brilliant way for you to collaborate, to meet other women, uh, you know, just to find people that are, you know, aligned with you. And you'd be surprised at those events. We've we've actually met, our, our team have met, you know, women that we've created such genuine bonds with. So definitely something to look, look forward for. Charlene, care to join me in rubbing shoulders here? This sounds exciting. I'm, I'm in. I'm keen. You know, you know. I'll follow you off a cliff, Sam. Kovani, <laughs> we are excited. We're going to keep our eyes on what you guys have got going on. Thank you for joining us on the Great Equalizer. Thank you so much for having me. I'm truly honoured to be here, and yeah, 
looking forward to connecting with uh, hopefully a lot of the, the ladies that are listening in. We can't wait to have you as part of the Sisterhood of Boss Babes of South Africa. Well, I guess there's not much more we can say about that. <laughs> there, I, I think we've, we've, we've covered our bases in terms of resources and inspiration today. One thing I do want to say is for any listeners who are feeling lost in terms of creating their own business or who feel inspired to make some kind of a le- uh, leap and career change, just start. Start before you're ready. It is scary AF, but... You know, it's it's so rewarding to be following your dreams and your passion. Look, look at these two women, Sureshni and Kovani. They, yeah. It's also it's also funny that Sureshni went from that I never had a like a a full time job, a nine to five job in my life, mm. and she pivoted to going into that. But she had to still shift her way of thinking because for someone who had the freedom of her schedule, that must have been quite an adjustment in the same way that it would be an adjustment for someone who goes from a regular nine to five to a, now how do I do this? Yeah. Right. So how about we keep talking? Yeah, listen, as you know this, uh, if you want to chat to us, weigh in on this conversation, uh, tell us about how you're thinking of pivoting or how you've had to pivot. If you just want to rant or cry or laugh, DM us a voice note on Instagram at the Great Equalizer Podcast, or you can record one on your phone and hit us up over email, info at thegreatequalizer.co.za. Now, please tell us about your career changes, your, your season changes, and or your fears, or your experience in starting a new season in life. We want to hear from you. And feel free to tag us in Instagram and Facebook posts that that you're interested in, that you're keen on, that speak to you. We love seeing what you guys are into and we want to talk about it with you. Yeah, that, that kind of support, just your engagement and interaction with you, our listeners and our supporters, it's so important to us. Um, we say it every week, uh, every like, every love, every comment, every voice note you send us, it will send us or every share on social media. It means the world to us and it's just reassuring to know that we are reaching you and what we're talking about resonates with you. And please don't forget to review us on Apple Podcasts or rate us on Facebook or whatever platform that you're engaging with us on it would be so great to hear from you and to know what you think and don't forget to hit that subscribe button either because that subscribe button tells you when there's a new episode out and we can't wait for you guys to hear what we put out every couple of weeks we want to know we want to chat to you we want to engage we want to know if you feel the same as us or if you feel differently to us so please engage with us in that way as well we want to We want you to see what we're putting out so that we can chat more with you. Exactly. The more we're seen, the more we hear from you, and the more uh, you share what we're putting out, the better this podcast can do, and the better we will be for you. And so that's it for this week. Until next time, keep keep your your mom mom game strong. For more on today's show, please head on over to our website at www.thegreatequalizer.co.za or catch us on Instagram at The Great Equalizer Podcast or on Facebook. For something a little more personal, email us at info at and we'll get back to you.